Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Hey, I'm really excited this morning. Uh, you may have seen on, on social media that, uh, that we have uh, Jared Van Berkel here with us today. Jared leads, in fact, he's the founder of Fantail Studios, which is uh, basically, a, you know, he, he could correct me if he likes once he's got the microphone, but a, a Christian media company who uh, uses media, who uses uh, th- that kind of art form to tell stories about Jesus. And it's just been so cool uh, to see what Jared uh, and the team have been doing. They're across the car park from us in the church offices. So we see them every now and then, but we see what they're doing uh, online, and it's just, uh, it's an exciting place, and I'm excited today that, that we're going to be able to hear a little bit about what they're doing and have a bit of an, an opportunity to partner with them, but I love the fact that that as a church, as a Quippers church, we are part of an apostolic company of people within the X churches, and and, uh, and and so it's just, it's an exciting day to, to be able to have Jared with us, but to, to start today, uh, rather than just tell you about what they do, we'd love to show you a little bit, so in a minute, well not in a minute, in like 10 seconds because I don't have much more to say. Uh, we're going to start with a, with a video. So why don't you turn your eyes to the screen uh, as we look at a little bit of who Fantel are uh, and what they do. I don't want to stay in the place of darkness because there is hope. Jesus is a healer, like he came to break those chains and to set us free. One encounter with the love of God and you will never be the same. It's impossible to encounter God and come away the same. God rescued me. He, he, he reached into this awful darkness where I'd been for so long and all of a sudden I could see the light. For me, I knew God was saying, I hear you, and I see you, and and I want you to be okay. I don't need to be perfect in anything, because that's who Jesus was. He came and he lived a perfect life, so that I don't have to. Jesus Christ loves you with an everlasting love. When God heard me, and I knew he was real, at that very moment, he filled something that I didn't even know I had. God is an incredible God. He never leaves and forsakes us. Nothing, nothing separates His love, you know. I truly believe in my heart, ever since that day, the healing power that comes in the name of Jesus Christ, that comes through the Holy Spirit, that comes from heaven. It is incredible. God's changing lives all over this world. And I met God. He came and found me. He didn't say, clean your mess up and come and find me. He came and found me when I was swimming in my own sin, man. He will come and deliver you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light because he is the one who controls all that. And he has the power above everything else. He has conquered death on the cross. Hey guys, how are you doing this morning? 
Hey, my name's Jared, as Pastor John was saying, I'm the, um, the founder of Fantail, and it's um, that little wee blonde girl right at the end there that you saw, that's why my daughter Jasmine, that was her wee acting debut, and uh, she was super excited that day because it was a school day, and she got to have the day off school, and then she got to have pizza at lunchtime. She's like, wow, being an actress is amazing, Dad, this is the best thing ever. So um, I'm like, yeah, and having your children work for you for free when you run a ministry is fantastic as well. <laughs> Hey, it's a real privilege to be here uh, with you guys this morning. And what I want to do today is I just, I want to share a little bit uh, on my heart of what I'm seeing God doing uh, in New Zealand and around the world in the realm of just the reality of Jesus being Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever kind of fallen into that mindset of, of thinking, oh, Man, I read what was happening in the Bible, and it's kind of like every second paragraph, God is exploding off the pages, and He's doing something amazing, and then you're kind of like, God, where, where, where is this now? You know, um, and I, I have those, those moments and times in life, and then as I began to look for stories, I began seeing uh, not just the, like the fingerprints of God, but like the footsteps and the fist punches and the shoulder raises all, all over the place. And uh, so what I want to do this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share stories and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my testimony, a little about the ministry that we're running. And uh, I'm half Dutch and I'm half Scottish. Um, and so I'm also at the end going to give you an invitation to partner with us financially um, and all of those things. Um, but really, what's on my heart today is at the end of this morning, you would, you would go home with this thought, man, Jesus, my heart is reminded that you are amazing. And because of that, I should be doing amazing things with you. Because I'm, I'm made in your likeness, I'm made in your image. And if you're doing incredible things all over the place, then there's a really good chance that you want to be doing incredible things with me and through me. So Jesus, right now in this time that I am in my life, what is it that you're asking me to do? How, how should my life change tomorrow because I remembered that you're amazing and you want to do amazing things with me? Where is there an opportunity that I could sacrifice, that I could risk, that I could surrender, that I could set myself up for absolute huge chance of failure unless Jesus comes through and Jesus be Jesus? So I'll, I'll tell you a few stories and uh, and we'll get into things because I, I just, uh, I love being in all the lights and all the people. What if my personality kicks in and Pastor John, I got you to sit down on your bottoms instead of standing on your toes. So now I've got like full permission to be myself because he said bottom in church. <laughs> I was like, what word will he pick? Oh, he picked the PG version. Okay, I'll just, I'll be the PG Jared. Um, Fun fact, uh, I'm going to tell a little bit about this today. We've been filming for two and a half years what God has been doing behind the scenes in the Black Power and the Mungra Mop. Um, this incredible story, and I'm going to speak a little bit around this today. And, but as I just said, you know, PG Jared, it's 
When you're making a film about what God is doing in the Black Power and the Mungrel Mob and you're trying to land on a PG rating um, so that Christian networks will still play it, it's, it's really challenging sometimes when people are describing um, the radical encounters that they've had with Jesus and they're in the process of their language being redeemed. Um, I was sitting with this, this guy having this conversation and he's telling me about what God's done in his life and I was like, oh, wow, okay, there's a lot of colorful language coming out. And he looked at me and goes, bro, you don't even think that I've met Jesus, do you? And I go, excuse me, because I can see it all over your face. You're wondering, do I, have I even met God? Because I've got to tell you, like, because I met God six months ago, and uh, you look confused, but I tell you, God's changed my life so much, because six months ago, if you were talking to me the way we're talking now, I'd have stabbed you by now. So you've got to remember where I was to where I am now to see what God is doing in my life. And you have these snapshot moments, you're like, oh, Hello, there we go. I was, um, I was staying at a, at a marae with um, the mongrel mob as part of our film, and I knew it would come up, and so I sort of rehearsed a little bit about what, what might happen, and I'm sitting at a banquet with, uh, I think, 80 uh, patch members, and um, there's this, this mobster sitting opposite me, and he looks at me and goes, hey, boy, you afraid to be here? The only white guy with 80 mobsters and I went, well, you know, I've seen angels and I've ripped demons out of people, so I think I'll be fine. And he goes, oh, true. <laughs> and he didn't look up at me for the rest of the meal. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that felt really cool. <laughs> but on the inside, I was like, yeah, man, I'm really nervous, eh? <laughs> Can we just be friends? <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you a few things. I really got to get into it. Okay, so I'm Jared. Um, I, I run Fantail Studios, and John, I pretty much had it bang on. I lead a team of media missionaries. All right, so Fantail Studios, it's a registered charity. We're pretty much 100% crowdfunded. We make radical TV shows about the love of God in action, then we give them away, and they broadcast on TV all over the world. Um, they're on fantailstudios.com, which is our streaming platform on our YouTube channel and all of those things. And it's very simple like this. I used to be a, a television director in my younger days. Then I became a pastor, and I was a pastor for 10 years, loved being in, in church-based ministry and all of those things, but I began to become quite frustrated that people don't just randomly walk into church unprompted on a Sunday morning to give their life to Jesus, and having done kids' work, youth work, adult work, all I see is people with broken problems that Jesus could come in and be the solution for them if they only knew how real He was. But the problem is, is that people don't walk into church to find out, is Jesus real? They need somebody or something to demonstrate the reality of who he is before they'd be interested in pursuing a relationship with him. I mean, I don't know about you. I've never wanted to have a relationship with Casper the ghost because I don't think Casper's real. So why would people want to have a relationship with Jesus until they experience a level of reality of who he is? And so for me, I began to, you know, look back on my life and go, man, God, you, you called me and you created me for media. Why am I a pastor? I felt like God was like, I was on this great career track and then God called me to be a pastor. And I kid you not, I curled up in a fetal position that day and I bawled my eyes out for about 45 minutes. I'd been married for six months. Marina and my wife came inside and I was sobbing and sobbing and she said, what? 
is going on. And I said, God's called me to like be a pastor. I'm going to have to quit TV and I'm going to have to become, a, I'm going to be a pastor. And on repeat over and over, I was saying, how can I stand before God one day and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. If in the moment he called me, I refused to answer. And this reality that our life is not our own, but we are called, we are chosen. It says in Ephesians 2 that God sets aside good works in advance for us to do with Him. So each of us here today, God has set aside great moments of time that He wants to partner with you in to see His kingdom come on earth. So I'm pastoring for 10 years, and all through this time, I still have people prophesying over me, you're called to media, and God's going to give you millions and I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm pastoring. <laughs> and I, God, and, and it's just got stronger and stronger in me, this desire to showcase his love to the world on a bigger scale than what I could currently do within the parameters that I had in me. And I was like, God, would you just give me three months? Give me a sabbatical so I can make a film about you. God, if you would just let me make one movie about you, then that would scratch the itch and I'll stop nagging you and I can, you know, I can pass for another six, seven years. Just give me three months off so I can pick up a camera and show the world the reality of your wonders. And then one night I had this dream and I was standing on this wooden bridge over this winding river and I saw a man walking towards me wearing a three-piece suit holding a briefcase. And he looked like the most expensive lawyer that money could buy. And in the dream, I knew this was God walking towards me. And, you know, my heart started pounding. My legs started getting weak. And I was like, oh, my gosh, God's coming to meet me. And he came and met me on the bridge. And he looked at me and he said, Jared, I don't want you to make a TV show about me. I need you to make hundreds of them. So get a team together, launch your own channel, and get started. And so I woke up from the dream, it was 11 o'clock at night, I did that cheesy thing that they do in movies that I never thought was real. I sat bolt upright in bed, hyperventilating. And I stayed awake the rest of the night with this realization that the God of the universe had come into my world again and had called me again. And I remember thinking this, this, this adrenaline and this excitement that I had just won an internship to the greatest business on the planet. Millions of people had applied for it. I'd never even put a submission in and I'd got it anyway. There's this sense of being like, man, God, you see me and you call me and I get to run with you. I get to be a part of what you're doing. And so in the course of time, we, we resigned from, from ministry We'd just come out of our first lockdown um, from COVID and we set up Fantail Studios as a charity. And I was like, man, God, of all the times that we could be doing a charity, why did you pick the eve of a global recession? <laughs> and I was like, God, this, is, this is, looks pretty spicy. And I remember saying to my wife, well, we've got enough money for about three, three months or so to give this a crack. Either God's going to provide and this thing will take off or it'll crash and burn. But if it's going to crash and burn, I'd rather it did it pretty quick than like the slow, painful death. And that was, uh, that was about two and a half years ago. And now we're making awesome television shows that are broadcasting all around the world. And God keeps bringing these media missionaries who go, man, I, I, you know, I studied film or this or that, but I don't want to make a living shooting weddings or doing television commercials. I want to. I want to showcase the reality of who Jesus is. 
And then they come to me and they go, can you hire me? And I go, no, but you could quit your job and trust Jesus. And they're like, you for real? I'm like, yeah, bro. What's the worst that could happen? You know, you'll be homeless, but you live in a great country, so they'll take care of you. You find out what Jesus wants you to do. And if he wants you to quit, then let's pray together, believe together, and let's see miracles happen so that you, you can do this with us and we can start telling awesome stories. So I want to I show you, I just want to introduce a little bit of my team real quick. If we just jump to the next slide. This is our core team, and then we've got a team of uh, you know, interns and things like that. But this is like our main hub here in Christchurch. Um, we're currently in the process of planning another team in Atlanta and the States, um, and then potentially one in Auckland as well. And the, the big thing really on our heart for our ministry is how do we make disciples? And so this year, we're also launching an online supernatural film school so we can train people all around the world how to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit to be led by Him to create the shows that He's wanting made. So that anywhere in the planet where God is doing something amazing, those stories can be captured in their own local language and culture and showcased to the world. So I want to I tell you a little bit about how God loves to take a story and then breathe on it. I don't know if you've ever looked, uh, this always blows my mind, in, in creation, when God made the heavens and the earth and everything, He spoke everything into being until He got to Adam. Adam, He picks up some dust, forms it with His hands and breathes into it. Everything else, He just speaks and then it happens. But when it comes to mankind, He takes something, molds it, shapes it, and then breathes on it. Which just shows me that when God wants to do something with us, even if we just give him a little of something to work with, he'll shape it, mold it, and breathe on it. But if we don't give him anything, then he's got nothing to work with. He won't just speak things into being for us. He will partner with us. And so even when all we have and all you might have is, is a, a simple story, you might have had one moment where God showed himself to be real or, or one opportunity or something, if you would lean into it, and invite God to shape it and breathe on it. It could be a talent, it could be a gift, it could be a potential, whatever it is. Like I said, my heart for you at the end of the day is that you'll go home going, Jesus is amazing, he's incredible, and he wants to do amazing, incredible things with me. You've got to give him something to partner with. So I want to, I want to show you a testimony video this morning. And the one that I've picked to show you is probably the most no-frills video we've ever made. If I wanted to impress everybody today, there are a huge variety of really high-quality, high-production-based videos we put hundreds of hours of work into. But I want to show you a video that got filmed in an hour and a half, and it got edited in six hours. It was a one-hour interview, six hours of editing, right at the start of our ministry with cameras that we borrowed because we didn't own any of our own things. And I had a friend who was over from Denmark who helped me and a high school student, and I borrowed somebody's living room. Now, why I want to show you this is because we can so easily in our Western mindset fall into the trap that the kingdom of heaven needs to be presented with excellence. Excellence comes out of our desire to give God worship. What the kingdom of heaven needs is to be preached. The gospel just needs to be shared. God just needs a little bit of dust, and he'll shape it, mold it, and breathe on it. So I want to show you the most no-frills thing we've ever made, but this, this testimony video by far 
has had the biggest impact in anything that we've released because God just breathed on it. So let's check this video out. It was radical. People talk about radical encounters. I thought I was having a heart attack. It made me feel my heart for the first time in my life. I was 49 years old. My father was a violent man. Um, my mother was a Christian. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Once or Warriors. Well, that looked like a pretty good family to me. So my life was foster homes, boys' homes, youth prison, prison, rehabs for heroin and alcohol. It was an ongoing cycle, just going round and round. Um, I was on a treadmill that I never thought I'd get off. I have mental health issues, so I, I was ADHD, have OCD, Asperger's, dyslexia. And there's one other, but I, I need my wife here to tell me that one because I always forget one. <laughs> I moved to Kaikoura after the Christchurch earthquake six years later, and all I wanted to do was go there, go fishing and hunting, and be left alone. And um, I was trying to walk away from the gang I was with. Um, which had been my whole life. A long story short, I had a hate for police, a full hate for police, and I got invited to this church by a guy that I knew in Kaikoura. And because I couldn't come up with a like as part of my Asperger's condition, as I'm brutally honest, and I have no filter, and I just said to him, yes, I'll come. And I hated it. I couldn't stand the music. That's one thing that stood out to me was the Christian music. It was really horrible, eh? Um, everybody's really happy, and you know, that wasn't what I was used to. There was no drugs and there was no alcohol. But they seemed really happy and I'd seen that. Uh, it was just a different world. And I couldn't get out of there quick enough. I left on the last song. The following week, I, I seen that same pastor again and he invited me back. And I still didn't come up with a lion. But I just happened to say, yeah, okay, I'll see, I'll see you there. But on the Saturday, I got pulled over by the police. I was arrested for my history and what had been going on in my life. I later found out that they had a poster the size of my chest up of me in their police station in Kaikoura as a person of interest. They have a lot of assault charges on police and a lot of assault charges. But this guy, this cop came along to me and he treated me like how we should treat people. He was respectful, he was fair, um, showed his heart too actually when I look back at it now. I went home after they released me and I started festering with real anger again. It wasn't about that cop. It was the fact of just the authority of coming against me. And I had a lot of issues over the years with the police. Um, not all of it my fault, but definitely not all of it their fault either. But I said to my wife that night, I will never let go of that hate that I have for them. We walk into the church, and I'm sitting at the back of the church, and waiting for the music was just started and that cop that pulled me over walked in and he walked in with his four kids and his wife and he seen me standing at the back of the church and I seen him and I grabbed my wife we'll stand up I grabbed her by the hand and says that's that cop that got me yesterday and I felt something that that right there and then and she said don't go over and fight in the church I've fought everywhere. I stabbed somebody in front of a prison guard because I just had to get him because I didn't have any rules. I felt something. When he walked in, he just sat down and had his head down. 
And I grabbed my wife's hand and I said, something's wrong. But I, I, I don't know if I'm having a stroke or, or, or maybe a heart attack, but something's wrong with my chest. I've got a pain in my chest. I kept looking at that cop and I, and I said to my wife, I just need to go over and talk to him. When the church finished, I walked straight over, tapped him on the shoulders and said to him, hey, bro, I'm sorry. He turned around, he was crying. He goes, I'm sorry that um, I came and did that to you. I'm really sorry. And um, he said to me, do you mind if we pray for you? I says, um, yeah. I don't know what pray for me was. He goes, come up to the front and I'll get some guys to pray with you. He went and got three other guys. <laughs> they were all cops. All of them were cops. And they all put their hands on me and started praying for me. And I felt something that I knew what was happening was God gave me the first time I'd ever felt empathy for somebody. That was the very first time. I'd never felt that before. I'd only ever had hate, rage, and anger in me. Even when my mother died and my, my daughters died, I only got angrier. Look, I never felt loss or sadness or anything. It was just hate, rage, and anger. And this day I felt empathy because I felt for him. And I realized that where I was standing, underneath that roof, him and I were brothers because I was in God's house. Changed my whole life just like that. And um, I know now it was God softening my heart. That day my whole life changed. Like, um, I was finally free. I finally come home. I finally belong somewhere. I didn't just belong in gangs and prison or rehabs or on the streets doing my rubbish. I finally belong somewhere where there was actually love. My hate for the police went that day. Completely gone. I, I never thought I'd, it would happen. You know, I'd only said that to my wife the day before, and you know, a lot of people think oh, I lost my marbles that day because it just changed so much, eh, bro? You know, going from, you know, a man of crime to men for Christ, and yeah, I just look at it now and it's just um, off the rails. Yeah. Isn't isn't God just an amazing storyteller? Like only God goes, you know what? I'm going to get the one guy who hates police the most, and I'm going to get a policeman to arrest him. That. <laughs> It's going to lead him to me tomorrow. Angels, come around, look at this. It's a perfect setup. You know, there's only four cops in that town, and three of them were in church that morning. <laughs> I don't know, God, you're hilarious. So we, we, we filmed that, edited it down, like I said, six hours right at the start of our ministry. We just launched, borrowed cameras, everything like that. Um, I think I was editing it on a small laptop at home. And I called Lucky to call her and I said, hey, Lucky, I've made, I've edited the story down and I don't even think we were on TV at this point. And I said, look, no one knows who I am. And when people watch this video on, on Facebook, they're going to have a trust and a heart connection with you because this is your story. And people are going to watch this that are feeling trapped in a similar space that you were in. And there's no point in them calling and talking to me. They'll, they'll want to connect with you. Would you mind if I put your cell phone number on the Facebook video so that if people watch this or if there's gang members that watch this or, and things like that, they could reach out to you and you could pray with them. You, know, you could help them. You could just give them some love and advice. And like, I, said, I don't know if anyone's even going to watch this. 
He goes, ah, oh, man, that's, that's fine. I'll, like, anyone that wants to talk to me, I'll talk to them. So we did that, and in the first week, he got over 100 phone calls and messages from people around the country wanting help and advice and prayer. And then the video, the little bit of dust, you know, that little something that God could breathe on, uh, ended up going viral and started playing in gang headquarters all around the country. And Lucky was already starting to do some work uh, with some of the gang community. And, and, but then this video sort of going, started going around. Word started getting out a little bit more about what he was doing. But then the video also ended playing all the way up through the ranks until it reached uh, the New Zealand police commissioner. He then saw this story, and so then Lucky gets a phone call, and he gets asked to come speak at a conference uh, at the Wellington Academy where they gather all the Christian police officers around the nation so that Lucky can come share his testimony, how he'd been in and out of prison his entire life, but then when a Christian police officer prayed for him, he got radically set free. And so I watched this whole thing begin to unfold, and I felt like Holy Spirit said, you know what, you should kind of follow that story. And I thought maybe we might make another social media video or something like that. So I called Lucky and I said, hey, Lucky, next time you go to one of the gang headquarters to do whatever it is that you do, can I please come and film it? And he said, what are you, what are you crazy? My next meeting's going to be uh, with the Whakatane Black Power Motorcycle Gangsters. And we're going to be having them talk for the very first time out loud in their life how old they were when they were sexually uh, violated. And I'm going to do two to three days of healing with them through that trauma. How do you think I could ever do that with a camera crew there? And I said, mate, I, I got no idea. I'm sorry. I only just asked because I felt like Holy Spirit told me to ask you. He goes, oh, you should have led with that. Totally, you can come. <laughs> and I said, okay, where will I stay? And he said, you'll come stay in the marae in Whakatane. And I said, cool. I've never stayed in a marae before. That'll be, that'll be cool. And he goes, yeah, that's good for you then. And I said, uh, where will the gang stay? He goes, oh, they'll stay in the marae. And I said, well, how many marais are there? And he goes, well, there's the one marae. And so I said, okay, so where do I stay again? And I said, how many rooms are there? He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I just want to know when I'm sleeping and it's night and it's dark, where am I sleeping? He said, you, you're sleeping with the Black Power Gang. I said, but I'm white. And he was like, oh, mate, you've got a lot of learning to do. <laughs> and, I, and I fell into this adventure with Holy Spirit going, God, you have probably picked the whitest Pākehā in the whole country and thrown me into the deep end, I don't know anything. Man, I need your help. Man, I'm, I'm so nervous, so I'm going to culturally offend somebody. Or get beaten up, one of the two things. God, I need your help. I need you to, to give trust and relationship. And, and God's favor and his love and his grace and his teaching began to wrap around what we're doing. And we began to find ourselves sitting in homes with gang leaders and talking with them and praying with them and giving them prophetic words and having meals together and building trust and hearing their stories around what God has been doing. And in a couple of weeks, we actually start editing this feature film called Mana Atua, called the, which means the greatness of God. Two and a half years, we've got, I think, 16 terabytes, so 16,000 gig of footage over two and a half years of gang members opening up about their pain, their traumas, their fears, their anxieties, their hopes, going, this is where I was. 
This is where I am now. And if God would help me, this is where I hope I could be. And it's got all the tensions and all the dramas, as you can imagine, of, you know, when we're discipling somebody and they're doing really well, and then they kind of backslide and things like that. And we go, oh man, I was working with you, and you've kind of gone back to the world. We've got gang guys who are working with other gang guys, and my man, they're making such good progress, and they're praying with me and stuff like that, but then life got tough, and now they've gone back into drug dealing, and, but I'm still working with them, believing for a breakthrough that they would come back into the new way again. And so we've been producing this film. I want to tell you a couple stories about a few, a few people. If we just jump through to the next, next slide. This guy's name is uh, Marley, but everybody calls him Brother H, and he's the leader of the motorcycle gangsters in Whakatane. When I first interviewed him two and a half years ago, in my first time with this Black Power chapter, I, I sat down with him and I said, hey, look, Brother H, I'm really curious. You've brought Lucky Takoha in, who's had a radical life transformational encounter with Jesus. And you've brought him into your chapter to teach your men about the healing of God for three days. I want to know, who is Jesus to you that you would invite somebody like Lucky in to share his heart with you? I remember this amazing answer he gave me two and a half years ago. He said, well, I don't know how to fully explain who Jesus is. I don't, I don't know who he is. But what I do know is that my wife, Monique, was a meth addict. And she was a meth addict for years. And nothing I could do could help her. And then one day when she was alone in her room, God met her. And then God took her to rehab and she came back healed. And now I'm forced to face the question, who is this Jesus? Who is this man that could do something for my wife that I never could do and I cannot escape the question? Jump forward about 18 months later, I'm, I'm with them again after you know, multiple visits and I'm sitting at a table and uh, cameras aren't rolling at this point. We've been with them for a few days and we're just hanging out. And, and H is talking to the rest of his chapter members and he says to them, hey guys, you gotta know, everything we've ever heard about Jesus is real. You can look at my life and you can see how much Jesus has changed my life. I'm reading my Bible and I pray every day, everything we've ever heard about Jesus is true. I want to tell you an, another story. Jump through to another slide. I love, I love this story. This guy is a, a patched member for the Munger Mob Kingdom in Hamilton. And uh, this, once again, God is just a, a master storyteller because Jesse, with a passion, hated Christians. What amuses me is that Jesse's last name is Church. So Jesse Church hated Christians. And I interviewed him. This is just a, a grab from the footage in the Iron Dog, which is, was the headquarters. And I was interviewing Jesse, and he's telling me his story about how much he hated Christians. He goes, so I'm a patch member for the mob, and, and I'm a cage fighter. And he said, I hated Christians, and any time I had a fight coming up, and I could see that it was with someone that was a Christian, I would make an extra effort to totally destroy them. He says, and I was really into my spirituality, and I had a mentor that was coaching me in how to access the different Maori gods of war. 
And so I'd go really into my spiritual preparation that the different gods would be with me so I could totally destroy the Christians. He said, I had a fight coming up and it was against a guy called the preacher. And I got into the ring and I'm looking at this Christian and I can see him in the corner and I know he's praying to Jesus. And so I start asking all the different gods to endow me with power so I can annihilate him. And she said, the fight starts just like they all did. And I was taking the guy to pieces. And then somehow something in the fight shifted, the momentum changed. I ended up on the back foot. And the first time in my career, I was knocked unconscious. And then he said, and when I said like I was knocked out, it's like I was out cold. It took about 15 minutes to me to fully regain total consciousness. Obliterated. And he said, when I finally came to, and I was back in my right mind, I knew one thing. God was real, and I'd had a meeting with him when I was unconscious, but I had no memory of what had taken place. I didn't know what I'd seen, what I'd experienced. All I knew that he was real, and when I was unconscious, I'd met him, but had no memory of what had actually transpired and what I'd seen. A year goes past, he ends up getting saved, going to church, and he takes communion. And he's telling me the story in the mongrel mob headquarters. He goes, I'm in church on Sunday morning, I take communion. The moment I took communion, my memory was instantly restored. He said, I remember I was standing outside of my body looking across the ring at my unconscious body on the ground. And then Jesus walks into the ring and he stands over my body. And he had these big holes in his hands. And he held his hands over my body as he stood over me and blood flowed out of his hands. And he covered my body in his blood. And then he looks at me and goes, yeah, I'm a Christian now. He goes, and since then, I've been spontaneously baptized in the Holy Spirit. I started speaking in tongues, didn't even know what it was. And I've been delivered from a spirit of suicide and depression. My life has been radically changed. I'm sitting in the Mungramob headquarters listening to this radical testimony. And so I kind of lean forward in that moment and go, Jesse, i got to know. If Jesus has done all that for you, why are you still a patched mongrel mob member? And he said, look, the only way I can put it to you is this, is that this gang, they took me in when I was in my darkest. Now that I've found the light, should I abandon them? If I cannot be Jesus to my brothers, who can be? And so I've been on this radical journey, kind of like how Peter in the Bible got called to the Jews, and he was super unqualified for that. And Paul, who should have been called to the Jews because he was super qualified, got called to the Gentiles, and God just reverses it because His glory is made perfect in our weakness. I've been on this radical journey of being the worst candidate to pick, um, to be thrown into this, and I've just seen the radical favor of God and been capturing the most amazing stories, and then the heartbreak and all the tension of broken humanity manifesting itself, but God's unconditional love remaining constant in the process. I want to tell you, God is doing incredible things all throughout our country and around the world. And I wanted to share this with you because I just want to encourage you, would you look 
and see what dust do you have that God could mold and he could breathe on? What is one little thing that you could begin to go, Holy Spirit, would you just show me? What is one thing in my life you want me to surrender? What is one aspect of my life that I could create more space for you in? What, what area of, of finance would you want me to sow? What friendship would you want me to be just faithful in and be unconditional in? Who is that broken person in my world that you just want me to love on, knowing I'll never get anything in return, but you want me to be you to them in that situation, that they would see that Jesus is real? Who is the person on the street with the limp that you're going, God, you would just go pray for that person? See yourself to look like a fool that Christ could look like a king. Where is the dust? If Jesus can stand over an unconscious body of someone who violently hated Christians and goes, man, I'm so hungry for you. I'm gonna knock you out on your bottom and then restore your memory a year later as you take communion. What could Jesus do without dust? So I'm going to pray for you now, if that's okay. And then I'm going to do a wee wrap up. I'm going to hand back to your pastor. But I just, what I want us to do right now is will we just take a moment. Actually, I'm not even going to pray. Let's just take a moment. And in our own hearts, let's just go, Jesus, I invite you. Show me the dust you want me to give to you. I'm just going to be still here. Let's just take 30 seconds to a minute. Let's be still. Holy Spirit, please show us what is the dust that you want from us? pray that this year that for us in our hearts we could just sit more humbly at your feet because you're awesome and you want to do awesome things with us Holy Spirit might have dropped an idea in your heart he may, he may not have what I encourage you is, is just throughout this week just begin to pursue aspects of Him going, God, would you just show me? I want to be used. 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 Just use me. I want to do things with you. And then allow yourself to look like a fool so that God can look like a king. I'm going to hand back to Pastor John in, in just a moment. But I did, I did mention that I'm half Dutch and I'm half, half Scottish. And like I said, we start editing this film in a, in a few weeks and We've got, we've got a practical challenge at work. When we launched this ministry, and it'll always be the case, we've always prioritized people over equipment. People first every time. So we just keep growing teams. But it, me, it means that all of our computers and our editing software and everything like that, it's pretty tragic. 
we've got, I think, over in total, over 100 terabytes of footage, all stored on external hard drives and briefcases scattered around safe locations. So projects are edited across multiple hard drives and it is just, there's so much slack in that creative process. And we've been quoted 30 grand to get a NAS, no, basically, a whole lot of dorky words, $30,000 to make bad to good so that our editors can have good gear, be working on the project simultaneously so that there's a whole lot more creative flow and freedom. It's just a real practical thing. We're believing over the next three to four weeks that God is going to bless us with the finances we need to do the upgrade so that as we edit this film and then all of the future projects over the next five to ten years that are coming through this ministry, there's just going to be a whole lot more creative freedom around it. So there's these we pledge forms, giving forms on the seats. Um, and I just want to invite you, it's just always an invitation, no expectation. If you'd like to sow into the ministry so that we could do that practical upgrade that then will we'll serve for legacy for all the shows that we're doing now and the ones to come, that would just be an amazing blessing. An amazing blessing for our team as we craft this work with Christ. Uh, our heart, as we always say, our work, and we we'll remind the team, we create as an act of worship. We broadcast as an act of war with Him, for Him, and through Him to find the lost and activate the found. And if you'd like to partner with us in that, then we'd love to have you do that. If you want to follow our ministry, you can do that by uh, uh, signing up to our YouTube channel as a subscriber or um, come see my wife afterwards. Um, give us a wave, babe, this, this person here. And you can sign up for our emails and everything like that. But pretty much there's a QR code on those giving forms. You can just, anything and everything you can do through the website anyway. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. This is my first time at your church and I've thoroughly loved it. Thank you for your hospitality. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.